day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. There it is. The, t- the tweets have been sent asking, we need a UMBC shout-out for Mel Kuyper, who clearly got the Baltimore connection working. The Retrievers, the first ever 16 over a 1. Get the dings out of the way. Mel, is that is that satisfactory? It is very satisfactory. Kim Kuyper actually was a student, a freshman at UMBC way back in 1983. Wow. So she was watching. Lauren, a lot of her friends. I was going to say, you better have a connection there. here, Kuyper, to be uh, owning we all, this. we got connections to everything Baltimore-related, Todd. You know that. So, yeah, I'm really proud of the Retrievers. They even hung tough against Kansas State. So uh, it wasn't a blowout. People thought, oh, they got the one win. They're going to get blown out. No, they didn't. They hung in there, and they battled. And, uh, hey, Ryan Odom and those kids, uh, a lot of credit. We're proud of them. And uh, the Retrievers are now a national name, and they made history. That's, that's amazing. It was like 100, oh, and 135, 116 seeds were against one seeds. Well, guess what? Yeah. Now they got one win, and that's UMBC. Yeah, UMBC is going to be like, hey, Mel, thanks for the shout-out. We want to be playing at Kuiper Arena next year. Get out the checkbook. Come on. <laughs> Guys, I'm fired up, and it's not just because I drank a Red Bull way too fast moments ago. We have a we have a trade on the board. We got quarterbacks flying off the top. Got, Todd, first thing you thought of when you saw that the Jets had moved from six to number three without giving out a first-round pick. They gave up a lot of twos, but without giving out a first-round pick, what was the first thing you thought? They're going up to get a quarterback, and good for them. I think we've talked about it a lot. In this day and age where the importance is is at its peak at the quarterback position, we've seen that you've got to go and get your guy. And it doesn't matter what you give away. It didn't matter how much Philadelphia gave away to go up and get, go up and get Wentz. It didn't matter what L.A. had to give away to go up and get Goff. They got their guy. And the same with the three trades a year ago from the, the Texans, the Chiefs, and the Bears. And all, all five of those teams that spent a lot of collateral, all the, the Bears just moving up one spot, they, they're happy with the quarterback they have, Mel, and they're, they're not worried about what they had to give away. And I think the Jets, did they give away a lot? Yes. But they didn't have to give away a number one for next year. And if you're the Colts, you, you have to be thrilled because you're not moving down to pick 12. And that's, if you're a Colts fan, if you're in Colts front office, more importantly, you're looking at a potential deal with the Bills. That was me. That means you were kind of moving out of the elite level. And now moving back to six, you've got four picks in the top 50 overall for the Colts. And at number six, if four quarterbacks go before you pick, you still are going to get one of the elite players, whether it's Quentin Nelson at guard, Saquon Barkley at running back, or Bradley Chubb at defensive end. Mel, yeah, you're grading here the Jets. Yeah. If, if Already, this guarantees them the possibility of one of the top three quarterbacks because we don't know what's going to happen at two. That could be Buffalo's pick. Maybe that's Arizona's pick. We don't know. But to Todd's point, what was the first thought you had when you saw that the Jets got up there where you said, hey, smart move or what? 
Well, first thing I thought that came to me was, where's Buffalo? Yeah, because Buffalo had all that ammunition, and they got to the 12th spot, and they could package all these picks, and they could go to maybe two or three, and Buffalo didn't do it. Maybe three wasn't good enough for them to give up all that, because maybe they felt like there was too much of a risk, Todd, to lose the guy at one and two. If we're sitting at three, we might get the third quarterback, and the third quarterback maybe we don't really like. So you got to think about that if you're Buffalo as to why they did. Now, if they can get to two, I think they're in much better shape, and we'll get to that in a minute, whether they're going to have to give up too much and whether the Giants even want to move down to 12, which I think is a ridiculous conversation to even have, but we can have that. But they go back to quarterbacks. Definitely got to have that. Yeah, you got to have that. But the, the <laughs> whole thing about quarterbacks, I think the indicator was, as you said, Todd, the previous years where everybody moved up to get their guy. And also in free agent, Kirk Cousins, who's won nothing. That's right. He's won nothing. Gets all his yes. money, highest paid quarterback. <laughs> and, and, and the Redskins felt like they got a better deal with Alex Smith who doesn't turn it over. And then you got Sam Bradford who can't stay healthy getting all that money in Arizona. So I think the indicator was that, how desperate and how things will overpay or give up too much. They want the quarterback, and I think in this case, the Jets, it's going to be interesting. As two quarterbacks could be gone before they pick. And is that third quarterback the guy they really want? That's the, maybe they think that we like, hey, it's like the Eli Manning, Roethlisberger Rivers. Hey, all three we like, we're okay getting the third guy. Well, if they're okay getting the third guy, then they're happy with the deal. Well, and that's what I said to you on, on your show the other day with, with Dari. Thank you. If, if you make, yeah, exactly. If you make this deal, if you're if you're the Jets and you make this deal, you damn well better like three of these quarterbacks because you cannot sit there at three unless you, you're trying to move up to number two. But if you wind up picking at number three overall and have given away all this, it better not be, uh, we love two guys, we'll settle for a third. You better really feel strongly about three of these quarterbacks. Well, they do. They, they have to, Todd. And they got, that's kind of right. a given that they do feel like, hey, we're okay. If, if whatever combination you want to say goes one, two, we're good with that third quarterback. Uh, because maybe we don't like four, but we like three. And we know at three, we're going to get the third guy. So, uh, you know, and they figure, hey, we're good with that. And if that's fine, I think when the, in terms of the Colts, you're right. They, they can't lose. They're getting a top guy. And I think teams picking, and Chris and I were talking before the, the, the podcast about teams like Tampa, Chicago, San Francisco, all these teams are going to benefit if those quarterbacks go. And I think the old projections about the quarterback getting down to Miami or Arizona may be over, that may, maybe four quarterbacks do go in the top six, seven. You guys, you know what's really fascinating about this is look at how all of these teams that we say need a quarterback have insulated themselves. Buffalo has added McCarron even after they moved on from Tyrod Taylor. Mm-hmm. The New York Jets, obviously McCown, who was quietly – Really middle of the pack last year in terms of his effectiveness. They also added Teddy Bridgewater on an incentive-laden deal. The New York Giants, obviously Manning's still there. The Arizona Cardinals, Bradford's still there. All these teams that we suspect need a quarterback, would move into place to get one, including the Cleveland Browns with Taylor, have insulated themselves. I guess the follow-up question I have off these dominoes Todd, do you expect the New York Giants to be making the pick at number two? It's a great question. That's why I'm here. Uh, yeah, Josh, give me a. I, I honestly, I don't. I don't have an answer. I, I, I could sit here and lie to you and tell you, yeah, I think you know, I think they're going to move up. I don't. From what I understand, they're not aggressively looking to move out. I think they need to be blown away by a deal to move out of that number two spot. Who they're going to take at number two? Who knows at this point? I mean, you go and look at, at the the track record, and Gettleman likes to the general manager has, has liked to build up kind of up the middle, and whether that's 
Bradley Chubb, a defensive end, or is it Quentin Nelson at guard and, and bypass on Saquon Barkley? And still, I know everyone's reporting and saying that, that Eli Manning is their guy moving forward. And that very well may be the case. But you look at the quarterback situation in this league right now and you say, are we going to be picking this high and have an opportunity to draft a Sam Darnold or a Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield or a Josh Allen in the next five, seven years? Are we going to have that chance or are we going to wrap up things with Eli Manning two, three years down the road and have nobody to, to work with? So they're in a, they have a, a very difficult decision to make. And I personally, if you can get a deal to move back, if you're not, if you've decided as an organization, Mel, not to draft mm-hmm. a quarterback at number two, I, I would want to get all the compensation because drafting, we know it's a percentages game. At quarterback, it's about 50-50. Probably it's actually less. It's about 38% in terms of finding your guy at quarterback with the first round pick. And it's a little over 50-50 in terms of finding a really good starter in the first round. So give me four or five shots in the first couple of rounds versus one shot at number two would be my mindset and how I would attack things if I got a good offer from a team like the Bills or the Cardinals. No. And, the King, and the King's ransom, Chris, but I think that's the thing. Where's the King's ransom going to come from if you're the Giants? It's going to come from Buffalo. And the Jets already made the move. They're in your division. So I would think that's where the Giants look to is the Buffalo Bills to say, hey, you got all these picks. We want them. And, and you want the quarterback, you'll get the quarterback, but you're going to lose all those picks. And that's what we, we want in return. If you're going to give them to us, then the Jets will get a quarterback. New England's got Brady for a few more years. We'll see what Miami has with Tannehill, if he can stay healthy or if they get a quarterback. But say to the Bills, you know, you got A.J. McCarron. If you want to roll with A.J. McCarron, that's fine. But in order to get that quarterback, you've got to give up a lot of high picks this year and next year. And if the Giants get that, then they'll be happy, I think, to move down to 12 so, uh, and, and try to build around Eli Manning for a couple more years. So, Mel, I have another great question. I assume that's what Todd will say, so I'll just say it for mm-hmm. him. If the Giants pick at two – they don't trade down. Mel trade down Kuiper would always mm-hmm. trade down. Mm-hmm. If they don't trade down, and they take Barkley or Nelson, are you going to bag on them and say, what, what, "Why did you stay there? You took a running back or a guard when somebody offered you a ransom for the number two pick?" Well, I think if they get the Kings ransom, they're not going to. They will move. I still believe they will move. And I think the thing is, you know, because well, we're we're here, and anybody wants to come here, come here. Fine. We know Buffalo's the team. Now, if the Jets want to move up one spot, what do they have Jets? What do the Jets have to give up outside of a number one next year? What do they they gave up two twos this year and a two next year already uh, to get to where they are. So I think Buffalo is the team. If you're the Giants, why wouldn't you just? I would take a third round pick, whatever you want. Give me anything you want because. You're, and, and guarantee me you're going up to take a quarterback. If you've decided if you're the Giants at number two, hey, we're not taking a quarterback here. We're taking right. get Barkley or, yeah. or oh, Nelson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just give me anything. Give me anything. If I can't get a deal with everybody else in the league at the last minute, I'm calling the Jets and saying, hey, you want to secure this thing? Give us a third rounder. Right. And a common sense here. I think you look at the, where the league is. And I had some conversations with some GMs the last couple of weeks. Todd, you talk to these guys every day as well. Yeah. The league now is more to the running back mode. They were off running backs and we had been talking. I know you agreed with me. I only said, well, it helps when Saquon with. Barkley's there, Mel. <laughs> well, it, well, it really didn't. The past, they always said pass, but they're seeing it. What, yeah. They're seeing, I think Zeke Elliott, Gurley, uh, and then of course Fournette. Uh, you know, and McCaffrey catching the ball the way he did, uh, and being an impact offensive player for Carolina, even though it wasn't running, it was receiving. But I think the, the, the Zeke and the Gurley and then the Fournette, I think is why teams now will look more favorably at running backs. Now, Kareem Hunt was a third round pick. You're always going to have that, but I mean, this really speaks to Barkley, who I think you could say, Todd, 
the consensus number one player on most teams' boards is Saquon Barkley. Uh, I think he yeah. would be right up. Certainly not one, he's two. And I think yep. he's the guy, if you look at the Giants, just look common sense. Throw everything else out. If you're Gettleman and you've made these moves, you get solder, you pay big money there, you add the guard, you've done things there, you're going to have Beckham Jr. returning. Wouldn't you think that the running back spot is the missing link for the New York Giants in this draft? Yeah, I mean, it very well could be. If you, and again, if you've decided that you're, you're going to ride with Eli for the next two or three years, then you've got to give him, I mean, Barkley gives him an instant run game. Mm-hmm. Barkley and Solder give you a run game. Now play action's more effective. Now you, you're not asking Eli to do as much. Now you're creating more vertical opportunities because teams have to be concerned with the, far more. Uh, you know, with Barkley than they have been in recent years with the run game. So to me, it, it would make an awful lot of sense. It would be a tough pill to swallow drafting a running back, but this dude's special. Yeah, I mean, Barkley, I think Elliott certainly was the case, and ending up in Dallas made it obvious. But Barkley is, over the last five, even ten years, is maybe, if I could create the instant gratification big board, I know this guy's going to be good right away, and I'm going to I'm going to feel good about it. And people are going to be like, "Hey, you know what? That wasn't such a bad pick." Saquon Barkley might be he's he's right up there. He blocks, he catches, he jumps over people. He's the instant gratification pick, which is why I have a great segue. I'll call it before Todd does. Todd, you're the GM of the Cleveland Browns. You fired John Dorsey. Todd is in the Todd's in place. He gets his quarterback at one. Maybe it's Allen. Maybe it's Darnold. He's there at number four after two more quarterbacks have been taken. What do you do? If Barkley is there, if Minka is there, if Nelson is there, and again, these are all possibilities. There's a lot of people who now believe quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three in this draft. You're going to be Cleveland there at four. Those guys are really good. Those guys are the best players in the draft on your board. Are you willing to trade out there again, or are you saying, you know what, I'm going to roll, I'm going to roll with one of these guys? If, if I'm fortunate enough to be picking at one and four, and I get my quarterback at one, and I'm sitting there and quietly, the, the Browns, in my opinion, are the big winners out of this this trade. Big I'm time. sitting there at four, and I'm looking at, at Saquon Barkley. Are you kidding me? I don't. I mean, no. It would take the most lopsided, ludicrous trade in the history of the NFL draft for me to move out of that number four spot. You look at what, what Cleveland's been able to do, and then now <laughs> all, all of a sudden you get your quarterback and a star running back in in the first four picks, and you still have a few more picks, you know, in the in the first two uh, in the first three rounds. So uh, to me, the Browns would they would make out like bandits. If a team moves up to that number two spot, takes a quarterback, three quarterbacks go, and you, yes, Bradley Chubb's there, great player. Quentin Nelson's there, great player. But I'm taking Saquon Barkley, and now I've got a, a young backfield to build this entire organization around. Yeah, I think if Barkley is gone to say to the Giants and the Browns are sitting there at four, they have their quarterback at one, then they could be maybe interested at that point in moving out of four. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chubb's yep. attractive, but you have Ogbun. You have, of course, the star in the making in Miles Garrett. Uh, and then you certainly don't need Nelson because you have the two guards and you have the center. So and maybe you know, may, Mel, maybe you don't take Minka either because you just added right. Demarius Randall. They feel like maybe oh, there's yeah. better set at the safety yeah. position, oh, not taken away from Minka. I'm just right. playing it out here. 
Right, and I think that's where against the Browns are. They've made 10 additions already to this team personnel-wise, brought yep. 10 new guys in. John Dorsey's been incredibly active. So at four, if it is a quarterback, and you don't know how far you'd have to move down at, at that particular point. Uh, I don't know which team you'd say right now it would be Buffalo again. I, I don't, and we don't know. And Todd, that's the thing. Everybody wants to speculate on who these teams like a quarterback. We haven't even had Darnold throw. He's throwing on Wednesday. Yep. Josh Allen's got mm-hmm. his pro day Friday. You have the private workouts. You got all this time between now and late April. Teams haven't finalized anything on these quarterbacks yet. And every backs like they have. Well, you like this guy. They don't like that guy. Every, it kind of changes by the week and it will continue to change. So why even talk like, you know, who this these teams like and don't like? I think the Jets, I think you can well, trust the Jets, a little more. The Jets tip yeah. their hand a little bit. They like yeah. three of them. That, yeah. They're Rosen. I think they're on <laughs> Rosen. That, that seems to be the one that, that made the guy that's NFL ready and all that type of thing. We've heard that before, and I don't go there because ready to me is ridiculous. Some, you think the guy's ready, he's not, and the guys you don't think are ready sometimes are forced to be ready, and they are ready. So I don't really go for that stuff. But I think that's the one, maybe that's who they're targeting at three, and they think he'll be there, whatever. We'll see. Uh, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, and you're going to be, Todd, which pro day are you going to be at this week? I'm going to be both. Or I'll get snowed in. Flying, flying out to L.A. tomorrow, Darnold on Wednesday. I just talked to Jordan Palmer and uh, said around around twelve twelve thirty Pacific time, okay. so three three thirty okay. Eastern time, and then fly out the next day after Darnold to go to Wyoming for Josh Allen, which will be on Friday. Third, no Friday, Friday, mm-hmm. sir. Mm-hmm. Todd, follow up question here because we've we've gone through the top of the board. Mel and I were discussing this a little bit off the air, and I'm interested in what you have to think. Who else is a big winner because the Jets moved up from six to three? I'll throw one out there. Tampa Bay, if they stay put at seven because of this trade, I think they are guaranteed one of Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Saquon Barkley, or Minka Fitzpatrick. I just think the way the math works, kind of like Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams being sitting there for the Jets at six in 2015 and 2017, I think they're guaranteed one of those guys. Am I wrong? Um, no, I mean, I, th- I think there's a, a strong possibility. I say, I would say it's m- more than likely that three quarterbacks will be off the board in the top six, and there's a real good chance that four could wind up going off the board. Right. And in that case, you're talking about two other picks. So let's say Barkley's one of those picks, maybe to the Browns at four, and then Chubb goes to the Colts at six. And yeah, then you're, you're down at number seven. And QBs, you're, though, you're winning. Yeah, and so I'm staring at I'm staring at seven. I'm at seven, staring at Quentin Nelson. I would say you talk about consensus around the league. If you if you pulled every GM, I would say the vast majority of teams would have Barkley one, and I would say the majority of teams would have Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame, number two on their board. Right. So you're talking about the number two player and the the number two defensive player in this draft, and, and Mika Fitzpatrick are going to be available for you at number seven. You got to be thrilled. Mel, who else do you think looks like a winner after this shuffle? Or who's a loser out of it? Well, I think the teams, even after that, the Bears, the 49ers, the Raiders, you're still seeing Tremaine Edmonds is going to be around. Right. In a normal draft, Tremaine Edmonds is probably the third pick in the draft. In a, in a normal year, he's up there in the top five. He, and he may not go until that you know, 7, 8, 9, 10 area. You know, Roquan Smith, a linebacker of Georgia all over the field. Denzel Ward, the corner from Ohio State. You're going to see these guys be available at that point. And, uh, again, it's because of the, the force up for the quarterbacks, which is what we kind of see a lot these days. But I think there's a lot of winners. I think any team that says, hey, I don't know, any team not interested in a quarterback in the top 10 has benefited from this. Absolutely. So going back one more to the New York 
situation as we look downhill. Todd, if you are Buffalo or Arizona, so you have A.J. McCarron with, you know, a couple good starts, but virtually no track record. And you have Sam Bradford and a knee that Sam Bradford still talks about, like as recently as this last week is something totally uncertain going forward. Are you willing to try to get up to that number two spot? Yeah. Yeah, I am. And I mean, I'm the Bills. I'm I'm sitting there six, I have six picks in the first three rounds. Right. Five in the first, five in the first 65 overall. So I've, I've got ammunition and you can always throw in something for next year. The, the trouble is you're sitting at 12 and you're kind of outside the sweet spot of this year's draft in terms of where the, that first tier of talent starts to taper off. And Mel just right. mentioned it. If, if you have four quarterbacks go, now you still are looking at seven picks ahead of you if you're the Giants moving back to number 12. And with those seven picks, you're going to see, you know, the, the top names go talking about Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Denzel Ward at cornerback, Quentin Nelson at guard. So all of those guys are, are very likely to be gone by the time you pick at number 12. So that's the decision you got to make. Is it the player we get at 12, is it worth it to get, let's say, three other picks in this year's draft in the second, third round range where, you know what, we're going to go with, with quantity over what could be quality? Mel, Todd answered the question on Cleveland. I kind of wanted to put a bow on this subject. Mm-hmm. Sure. Todd, Todd's interested in those guys at four because Barkley there at four, if you already got your quarterback, to, ha- to have the chance to take the best player in the draft at four, that's that's a luxury. You take advantage of that. What are you thinking if you're there at four? You know, I think what they're thinking there is just to see how it plays out. I, I, we, you know, to me, if you're Cleveland, you can't lose either. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of these teams are just waiting to see what happens. And it's, remember this whole notion about the quarterbacks wasn't long ago, Todd. We were talking about all oh, these guys were so highly rated back in uh, in August, and boy, they all struggled so much that they're not that good. Well, they're, they may not hey, think what you want. They're going to go now. So this is how it all comes full circle when the quarterbacks. But I think you look at the top twelve. And you mentioned that the sweet spot. I went back to 1995. And every year in the top Eugenic 12, Carter. there are anywhere between 2 and 10 busts in that group. And there's always busts. So all these guys we're talking about very fondly now are not going to be stars. So that's what you have to keep in perspective. And in this draft after 12, was still pretty good. And I went back to the 12th pick overall, and it's yielded you Deshaun Watson. It's yielded you Odell Beckham Jr., Fletcher Cox. The list goes yep. on and on. Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> Lodi Nada, Jonathan Vilma, Warren Sapp. And the list, like I say, keeps going and going. We don't have enough time for that. But this is 12th pick and still gets you a great player. And... I think this talk about the Giants, well, they, they can't make that move because of that. Is this draft only going to end after pick 11? Or are we just going to go home and say there's nothing left there but a bunch of garbage? No, we're not going to say that. <laughs> there's some really good players, some great players going to be taken in, in other rounds. So uh, I think uh, you know, for the Giants, uh, I wouldn't be too scared about taking myself out of the so-called the only players in this draft that are going to matter. Mel, Let me go back to the Browns real quick uh, for your question, Chris. Think about how, I mean, this, this organization has won one game in the last two years, correct? Yep. And now all of a sudden you've got a new GM in. You are able to get your quarterback. Let's say it's Sam Darnold. Let's just let's throw that out there. Or Josh Allen, whoever it is. You've got your quarterback. 
you now have added Jarvis Landry as one of the, the top slot receivers, possession receivers in the game, opposite Josh Gordon if he can keep keep everything straight. Corey Coleman's a first-round pick from 2016 who has ability, and now with that, more pieces around him could develop into something more. And you've got David Njoku at the tight end position who was a first-round pick a year ago. And if you're able to add Saquon Barkley with that fourth pick, can you imagine the difference in skill, talent, with a, a rookie quarterback with a lot of ability, Saquon Barkley, uh, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Jarvis Landry, wide receiver, and Joku at tight end. Talk about a team that is built to to develop and become a, a, a franchise with some real offensive weaponry and, and, and power. I mean, it's, that would be a huge turnaround for the Browns, an organization that desperately needs some good luck, and that would be the good luck. If the, that number two pick is a quarterback, they have just gotten a huge break. Mel, you have been on the record for many, many years about how you don't like to take that running back early, maybe not even the first round at all. Obviously, there's some exceptions where if the guy's the top guy on your board, you can say, okay, you know, it's it, somewhere in the first round makes sense. Ezekiel Elliott maybe is a recent example mm-hmm. where you said, you know what, obviously he's going to fit, he's going to play right away. I can understand that. Does this ever enter your brain that – it's not just that around the league people think Saquon Barkley is the best running back. There's just a certain excitement level to the idea of it. To, to Todd's point, you are 1-31. and 31. You you want to get fans in the seats. Part of your job as a GM to maybe is – it's not just to, to win games, but there might be just a little bit in the back of your mind about, man, this makes me a more appealing football team. This maybe makes Tyrod Taylor – a more dangerous runner if he's my week one starter. Presumably that's the case. Does that enter your brain at all, the the, 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 the juice factor around a guy like Saquon Barkley? For, now you're talking about for the number one pick overall? No, I'm talking about number four. You got your QB of oh, the future. You're, you're feeling good about life yeah. already. Now you get the chance to take a guy that is maybe going to be the top-selling jersey in town if you get him. Yeah, there, there's no hesitation there. And I had made this point to Todd and others about the running back whole so-called philosophy. If you got a guy rated really high and your team needs that guy, and I call him the missing link, Zeke Elliott with helping Romo, that was the whole thing. They ended up helping Dak Prescott. Tony got hurt, obviously, but that was the whole thought. We had to help our quarterback. And, and in this case, you're helping Eli because you got a guy who can run, catch, and block. And you put him out in the slot, he can catch the ball down the field. But he can block. And that's something the Giants had issues with. And they, now they had Solder, and now they got a, the last on a line of defense if it's Saquon you're in good shape so I just think to me if you're Cleveland and you see the number one player on your board which you could argue Saquon Barkley is and as we said that's probably the consensus number one guy and you're picking it four and I think for Cleveland you know you can make my you have Carlos Hyde you brought in the veteran You've added Fells at tight end who can block. You've, you've added the, you know, the, the uh, Hubbard from Pittsburgh, you know, because you have Joe Thomas retiring. You know your interior line is really good. You got all these other picks to do some things with. You know, John Dorsey found Kareem Hunt in Kansas City in the third round last year. Now some of these running backs are going to drop. We don't know if Darius Geis is going to be a one. Ronald Jones, they may be in the second, the third round, maybe yield you a Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, guys like that. There's going to be some good running backs second, third round that the Browns can acquire if they don't take Barkley. If they do though, then they have the quarterback running back. I just think at four, if he's a number one guy and you feel like, hey, we got to have him, I don't think you can argue with it. There, there's no way you can argue with the number one player being taken at four. Guys, we're going to take a quick break here. I thought we crushed that. I got a nice compliment. Mel got some dings. We are going to jump 
to the AFC West, arguably the most competitive division in football. Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, and the Chiefs. We'll do that, hit your mail, and then we're out of here. The Denver Broncos. Todd, John Elway got his quarterback. Apparently he wasn't ever into Kirk Cousins. He like Mel is saying, what has Kirk ever won? He got Case Keenum. Is that your answer or is that your bridge? Uh, what are you thinking about in round one at this point? Uh, I think they're still looking at quarterback. I I think that they're not going to get overly aggressive and try to give away other picks and move up to secure their guy. That would surprise me based off of what I'm hearing. Uh, what I do hear, though, is that there's some interest there. And I think I think the interest of Baker Mayfield could be real. And I, he may be the guy that is sitting there when you get to, to pick number five overall. There's a possibility. I and mean, we talked about three quarterbacks going, and then number four is, is the Browns. Now you're picking at five of your Denver. And, and if, if Mayfield's the guy all along and he falls to you at five, even though you feel like you got your quarterback for the next few years in Case Keenum, I, I don't know. I think, I think they're going to have a difficult decision to make if they're picking at number five and Mayfield's still on the board. If not, then you start to look and, and who's still available. I mean, they need offensive line help. I think Quentin Nelson, there's a really good chance that the guard position will be available. He could be in play at that, at that pick right there, or, or you go on the defensive side and, and bring in a, you know, another pass rusher, even though you've got some, you take advantage of it because that's when, when they were, when they were running and, and playing at a high level and won the Super Bowl, they were great up front defensively. I think they're good now, but I don't know that they're still great. So that would be a possibility. Minka Fitzpatrick could be a possibility as well at that number five spot. And also, if you're not taking a quarterback and there's one available there, that you may have some interest from other teams like we talked about, whether it's Miami at 11 or the Buffalo Bills if they haven't moved in or the Arizona Cardinals to, to possibly move back and get more picks, which I, I very rarely think it's a bad idea to move back and get more, more ammunition, Mel. Yeah, I agree. And I think in terms of Case Keenum, uh, Case was at plus four touchdown interception ratio his first four years in the league. He was at plus 15 this past year. So is that just a one year thing where everything went his way? Playoffs, he was two touchdowns, three picks with a fumble lost. So, you know, you look at Case Keenum, do you still think, okay, we got Keenum. Yeah, you know, he may not be a bridge. He may not be a stopgap, but if we can get a guy, and they were with both those quarterbacks at Denver was at the senior bowl. They were with Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, John Elway was on the sidelines for the bowl game against Central Michigan for Allen. He had, they had them all week for the for the for the senior bowl practice they know those two quarterbacks very well and they're picking at five maybe they do that uh yeah you know always got pressure on him now and keenum he said he when he made the statement hey keenum was our guy he was the number one guy that we wanted then case has got to do it he's got you said you would have taken him over everybody else that's your number one guy that you wanted you got him so we'll see on that but i think quentin nelson if you want to if you go the 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 logic of well i'm not going to draft a quarterback for my the next GM. I want to be the GM that wins here. Keenum's the guy. Keenum. Last time I checked, Todd wasn't very tall. What was his height coming out of college? Like six foot, six foot and change. Okay. Yeah. That that interior presence of Quentin Nelson would help Case Keenum, who you just said was the number one guy you targeted. So do you take, like I say, the quarterback for the next GM, or do you take a guy that can help me win with Case Keenum, who I said is the guy I'm excited about. And he's not stopgap, and he's not bridge. Okay, and that one year is is not going to be just a one year wonder guy. He's going to be a guy I can I believe in, and he can win for us with our defense. So if you're Denver and you look at that logic, then it would be the offensive lineman over the quarterback, even though the quarterback's enticing. You know, the Keenum one was six six oh oh five. Sorry, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so six six foot and five eighths inches. You know the thing about Denver is they're yet another year removed from a Super Bowl where they damn near pitched a shutout. They're another year removed from Wade Phillips' departure. Now getting removed from Akib Talib's departure. Case Keenum, the more than anything last year, what he really benefited from in Minnesota was a dominating defense, maybe the best defense in the league. And it'll be interesting to see what Denver does because while Von Miller's still there, that the shine has come off that defense just a little bit. And if they want to be really competitive in that division, it, it, it might take a really good defense. We'll, we'll see what happens with Denver. That's one of the most intriguing spots in the draft. The Oakland Raiders. Well, we know who the head coach is. Todd, where do you think they're going to start uh, looking with their pick right there at number 10 after losing the coin flip? Yep, picking at 10. I, I think, you know, John Gruden and the staff are looking, looking at a few different areas. I think defense heavy, probably. I think linebacker is still an area that they could upgrade. I think cornerback and safety are areas that they could upgrade. They're going to need more out of Gary and Conley uh, next year, who was their first round pick a year ago. Uh, but to me, I think corner, safety, linebacker, edge rusher, adding another one of those guys um, opposite Khalil Mack, I, I think are some different areas to look. The offensive side, they added Jordy Nelson. You know, what are you going to get there? You've got Amari Cooper. Uh, obviously, you're set at the quarterback position. Running back, I know they brought in Doug Martin, but what do you, what do you still have at that position in terms of feeling good about the future and what are you going to get from you know Marshawn Lynch Doug Martin I I just to me adding a young guy now who could get get in the mix and and fight for some some carries would be a smart move Mel are you jumping running right running your card up there uh if Denzel Ward from Ohio State is still available obviously they assume Gary and Conley's going to make a jump but Dexter McDonald Tevin Mitchell Darius Hillary I'm not really getting super excited about the depth I have a cornerback yeah, they added Rashawn Melvin in free agency, uh, and Bill Chris the safety. I think you look at Oakland. I don't think Ward will be there at 10. Um, I think Tremaine Edmonds was the guy, knowing what, what John Gruden has always spoke very positively about mm-hmm. his tall linebackers, particularly inside. He wants more of an inside presence as a pass rusher. We know Edmonds can get after the quarterback. Very productive guy, over 100 tackles. Tremendous uh, talent. He has the height that uh, Zach Cunningham had going to Houston. I know John Roy loved that pick, and, and Zach Cunningham had a heck of a rookie year. He always says, how many inside linebackers, Todd, are tall, rangy, and have that wingspan? Most of the time, they're on the outside. They're not on the inside. And if right. you say interior pressure bothers quarterbacks, how about throwing lanes and that presence in the middle of the field that has that height and that wingspan to really play with a quarterback's mind when you know there's a guy out there with the height and the wingspan to really be a factor and pick those passes off or back them down. So I think Tremaine Edmonds would be the kind of guy that a lot of teams are going to see drop down there because of these quarterbacks. It's going to be very interesting to see if anybody makes a move to get them. The Los Angeles Chargers. Man, this team, they just seem like the most, uh, it's a combination of unlucky and obviously you can say you create your own luck, but the Chargers started 0-2 last year. They could have been 2-0 and just because they couldn't make field goals to win games. On paper, Mel, there's a lot here. You like the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Forrest Lamp could be could be back. He, that was a plug-and-play guard. I don't think we were talking about him in the Quentin Nelson Dan Feeney had a really good year when yeah. he was plugged in too. Right, they were, they were eight and eight and three with him in the starting lineup. Last yeah, year. there's a lot here, and then obviously on defense between Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, you're going to be 
bothering quarterbacks. Casey Hayward picked a ton of passes off. You added Trey Boston. Jason Verrett, if he could ever be healthy, uh, obviously, is a talented player. Mel, where are, where are you starting here? Because Desmond King had a great year, too. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot here. This is a sleeper, it seems like, to win the division in each of the last three years. It just hasn't panned out. Uh, fourth quarters have been an absolute disaster um, two years ago. Less so of one last year, but obviously there was the missed kicks. Mel, I, I'm going on and on, but this is a team that seems close. Very close, very close, and they did have a good draft. I gave him an A grade the, the night after the draft, and Mike Williams, if he can stay healthy, with factor in Forrest Lamp with the injury. And unfortunately, one guy coming off an injury, but they knew, and then Lamp got hurt, which they didn't know. So your picks in the first and second round don't give you anything. And then Feeney, as I said, really came on, and Desmond King had a heck of a year as that slot corner, which you knew he would be. He was a guy uh, you know, that just made plays, like Josh Jackson made plays mm-hmm. in Iowa. Desmond King was a playmaker at Iowa. As all these guys that came out of Iowa seemed like they've been uh, surprising people once they get in the NFL, those DBs, but I think the interior, they have the outside presence. We know that with Bosa and Ingram. They have the fear factor players out there. Inside is where I think they need help, and I think that's where you look at whoever they deem the better player at the time, and if, if one of these guys is available, it would be Duran Payne from Alabama, Vita Vea from Washington would be a, a major upgrade for what they had. They were, were soft against the run. They haven't been active at all in free agency. There, there's right now Dallas, Pittsburgh, Chargers, Colts, uh, Falcons haven't been very active. They're one of the teams that haven't done much. they got the tight end. That's it. So to me, the interior uh, defense line linebacker, interior of that defense needs to be strengthened, especially uh, with the idea of stopping a run a lot better than they did last year. And what are they going to do with quarterback? At what, you know, at what point in the draft do you say, you know, we, we need to bring somebody else in? Or are you happy with Kellen Clemens and, and Cardell Jones as your, your backups to Phillip Rivers? I, I think that's something to keep an eye on, too. The Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. Problem is, they don't have a pick until number 54 overall in this draft. So, I know, Todd, you like to stack your board a little bit here. Uh, Marcus Peters is no longer around. Is cornerback an option? I mean, what what are you looking at? I know this is 54. You, You start to talk very clearly about, you know, best player available. But... You can get a pretty good football player there as you look at a roster. Again, a team that wants to be competing for titles. They made it, if you want to call it gutsy or smart or whatever, transition to Mahomes. What are you looking at from this draft class to try to plug a gap for a team that wants to win now? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously you're set at quarterback. You feel like moving forward, Kareem Hunt running back. You've got bringing Sammy Watkins, paid him an awful lot of money. Uh, yep. Very surprised by that, but... But if you're going to pay him that money, you're expecting to to get a guy that's going to be a, a productive receiver. And you get Tyreek Hill and Chris Conley. And I, I think, to me, defensively, you're, the secondary you mentioned, I think at 54 you're talking about guys like maybe MJ Stewart from North Carolina or Carlton Davis from Auburn, Anthony Averett from Alabama, Chris Campbell, Penn State, those kind of cornerbacks, kind of the second-tier cornerbacks in this class. And then – I think defensive line is is also an issue. You got to you got to continue to bulk up that defensive front. And you know when we get to get to fifty four or even in the third round, and you start to look at I don't know Tim Settle, Virginia Tech, B.J. Hill, N.C. State, um, Nate Shepard from Fort Hayes State is a small school guy that that we'll be talking a lot about as we get closer to the draft. Is has had a really good pre draft process. It's six four, three hundred fifteen pounder with. You know, big, strong hands, and a guy would, that would fit them schematically. We are going to hit 
a stack of your mail really quickly here. We have a few minutes left. Mel, I'll let you get started. Okay. This is an interesting question. Jessica Jones at Albert J. Brammer asks, there's a player who could go in the top ten that would be a total surprise. Uh, mentioned that last year John Ross was there taken at number nine. If you see just a player that you don't – maybe is in your 15 to 25 range on your board that could sneak into the top ten for whatever reason, is there a name that sticks out? Wow. There's usually shockers because we don't expect them. And yeah. I think that's that's the whole thing that I would say there. You know, I look – and, Todd, I know you're not high on them. I, I think some are. I, I keep thinking Colton Miller, the tackle from UCLA, could jump up higher and it would be a surprise, I know, to a lot of people if he did. Um you know, maybe somebody because there aren't many pass rush. Maybe somebody stretches a bit for a gifted athlete who can play. And I think he may, may be better on his feet than he will be as a down end. That'll be Marcus Davenport from Texas San Antonio. I think he's a guy uh, that, that could maybe get forced up there because pass rushers you're just not going to find them this year as many as especially defensive ends. If you feel he's that, I think he can be more of an outside backer. But I think I'll go with the two guys: uh, Colton Miller at tackle UCLA and Marcus Davenport, defensive and outside linebacker from Texas San Antonio. I actually, I actually think Davenport would be better if he was able to put his hand in the dirt and explode out, but we can have that discussion another mm-hmm. time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Todd, I'll let you take this one. Brian Jones at BJ Flipfest asks, does James Derwin, I assume, Derwin James from FSU fall to the Packers at 15? Packers who just traded to Marius Randall, so safety help could be there. Does James fall to FSU? Or from FSU, follow the Packers at 15 with all the QB chasing going on at the top. You know, there's a chance. There's absolutely a chance. I think when you you look at it, if four quarterbacks go, now you're you're pick, let's say five. So you've got you've got a, uh, it'll be tough to be honest. Now that I look at it, because I, Saquon Barkley will go, Minka Fitzpatrick, the other safety from Alabama, will go. Denzel Ward, cornerback from Ohio State, will go. Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech, the linebacker we've talked about, will go. And Quentin Nelson, the offensive guard, will go. So you get to that point, as we talked about, probably around 11 or 12, where I think there becomes a little bit of a drop-off in terms of talent. I think that's when you start to see the Roquan Smiths, Marcus Davenport, as Mel mentioned, uh, Vita Vea, the defensive tackle from Washington, and, and I would throw certainly Derwin James in that group. You know, James was unbelievable as a freshman. He gets the injury, is I think in the second game of his sophomore year, and then comes back on a team that was terribly disappointing. Um, really not his fault. He was second leading tackler. He made a lot of big plays. He plays all over the field, and, and he's a guy that I think has a chance in today's NFL where you're trying to keep the same personnel on the field without creating uh, you know, negative mismatches for your defense. James can play at will linebacker. He can play in the, in the slot as a nickel. He can play free safety over the top. I mean, you can use him in a lot of different ways. And so I, I don't, I don't know that he winds up getting all the way down there, but I, I do think he's somewhere in that kind of nine to 15 range when it's all said and done. Yeah. And they're usually two years removed from that injury, Todd, and you will be coming up this year. And he, he tested yep. great. He's got mm-hmm. versatility. Uh, to me, Derwin James, if he dropped in there in that 15 to 18 range and then Rashad John Evans, a linebacker at Alabama, because of great versatility. And he can help you and wear a lot of hats, inside, outside, pass rusher. I, I think Derwin James and Rashawn Evans are two guys that are just, you know, for today's game, the way it's played, and you need versatile athletes who are smart football players. I'm big on Evans, and I think James at that point. Back in August, you would have thought he was a top-five pick maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Guys, here's a question Chris Ellis at CP87 asks. He wants you to dig into your inside linebacker types. After the Roquan, after Edmonds, the guys that could play inside, maybe even outside as well, who are some of the other interior type linebackers that could be that could be there in rounds two, three, and four? Obviously, that's a position we regularly see rookies start, many of them not even in the first round. Mel, who are some linebackers who could who could be there later on? Well, I don't know how late. I think that's the thing. I mean, I saw Micah Kaiser play high school football in the Baltimore area. Ding. Uh, he did a good job at Virginia. And, uh, there's a kid. Darius Leonard at South Carolina State. If he added some weight, could. He's got versatility. He can cover. Darius Leonard from South Carolina State. Micah Kaiser. Josie Jolt is a good football player. I knew he wouldn't run a great 40, but he was the kind of guy like Paul Puslesny in that mold out of Iowa. I liked what I've seen out of Oren Burks at Vanderbilt. There, there's a versatile guy uh, who can do a mm-hmm. lot of things for you. He, he nailed the process. Good workout. I mean, he's a kid that I think can help you. And then Nick DeLuca at North Dakota State is a late-round guy I think can make a team and be a steady contributor. All right. We'll do one more. Let me see if I can. I had a, I had a good one picked out here. Todd, um, Michael Higgins Sr. asks, is the drop-off from Barkley to Geis huge? I don't know if you have Geis 2 or Michelle 2. I'm thinking guy draft value probably in round two is better. What do you think? Just where are you in terms of your grades? I know you put a number next to these guys. Barkley, what is the drop off to your next year? Barkley's a 97. He's one of the highest rated, <clears throat> excuse me, running backs that I've, I've ever evaluated. He and Adrian Peterson, basically. Um, and then Darius Geis is 87. Sony Michelle, 86. Ronald Jones, 85 in that range. Shad Penny, you know, you start to, there's a little bit of a drop off after that. So, uh, but I understand the question. And I think what you have to do as an organization is look at it and say, okay, who, who are available? Who are the players available on the board right now? If we're looking at Bradley Chubb, let's say Bradley Chubb, for instance, Bradley Chubb or Saquon Barkley. Okay. What are we going to get in the second round? Well, if I know I can get Darius Geis or Sony Michelle or Ronald Jones, one of those guys, that's, that's pretty good value early in the second round. Whereas an edge rusher, after Chubb and, and Marcus Davenport, there's a pretty significant drop-off, I, I believe, at least. And, and now you're looking at, at guys like Arden Key from LSU who has off-the-field issues. Very talented, but you don't know what you're going to get. Sam Hubbard, great effort player, has some quickness to him, but not, not a whole lot of fin- finishing power as a pass rusher. And you know, I think he's going to be a good player, but not an elite player. So... I think you get more value if you look at the combination of your first two picks. Let's say you're picking at, I don't know, four, five, six, and then early in the second round of going edge rusher and then running back. But then are you passing up on a generational type player at the running back position is what you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons of that. And real quick on Darius Geis, you talk about dealing with stacked boxes. And the quarterback play at LSU, we knew what teams were doing. They were keying on the running back. And the offensive line, obviously, everybody knew what they were doing at LSU. Darius, Darius Geis was the guy. And that stacked box was something he had to deal with. Other running backs didn't necessarily have to. And in the NFL, you know what you have to deal with. you got to make people miss him. But he's more used to what he's going to see in the NFL than a lot of these backs are. I think Darius Geis is a guy that if you can get him – Somewhere after 25, after pick 25, you got yourself a heck of a player. And Ronald Jones is coming in. There's some good backs. Those, those, those so-called mm-hmm. second-tier backs may end up being, you know, in a couple of years, say, why weren't they considered first-tier backs? Guys, great podcast. 50 minutes on the nose. Getting a good look from the producer. Clearly happy with the performance. I might have a take five for lunch. That's how happy I am. 
guys, we uh, obviously we hit the, the 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 trade up in those situations. AFC West: Chiefs, Chargers. Who else? Broncos, Raiders. Yeah, I know my divisions. And then a bunch of your mail. We'll do it again next week. Hopefully, somebody's traded up to number two by then, uh, and we'll have a lot of fun. Mel, any parting shots? <laughs> no, 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 no parting shots. I'll just say one thing: DJ Moore from Maryland wide receiver is going to go high. Oh, jeez. There we go. Hey, Mel, you, Mel, I'll meet you out at uh, L.A. or Wyoming. Which which pro day are you coming to? <laughs> I'll be watching you, pal. I leave in the compound okay, for that. Hey, what did we ever glean from a pro day? That uh, nothing, nothing. What, I don't what, know. What, pro day is mostly I from been a pro useless. day. If you always have worn a glove for your entire career. Yeah. Like Teddy Bridgewater, don't yeah. just stick with it because that was hey, the worst. That was a real disaster. quick. Here's my parting shot. Here's my parting shot on pro days. <laughs> the best pro day ever, arguably Jamarcus Russell. Worst pro day ever, arguably Peyton Manning. Good luck on trying to figure out what pro days are or value that. And Take that why, for that. Amen. That's why we're sending Todd to Laramie. Can't wait to go spend four days of my life chasing I'll him around. The, I'll be at the compound, Todd. The funniest thing is, I'm pretty are. sure the last time Todd was in Laramie, he had to do sideline, and it was like negative eight. So this hey, could by be the way, better. It was negative eight, and I learned I had a horse allergy when I when I jumped jumped on a horse, and I, I could barely see until the next day. I, I almost had to, to pull out of doing the game. Levy and, and Greasy were, were running to the store getting me medicine. My right. eyeballs were popping out of my head. That was fun. Hey, was by the way, one. hey, Todd, Kim Kuyper yeah. was in nursing school at Laramie at University of Wyoming. Okay. Where did oh, Tim really? not go to college? That's exactly. Well-traveled. Well-traveled. Yeah. <laughs> we have to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys. All right, fellas. Have a good one. See you guys. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.